This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is brought to you by our Patreon. We now have a Patreon, so if you feel like supporting the podcast and giving back a little bit, you can check us out at patreon.com slash kaijuweeklypod. We have a lot of rewards for people who are supporting us, and we have a lot of things in the works that you will be supporting as well. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host Travis and today I am all by myself. I don't have any other hosts. The special guest host Michael couldn't make it this week and my regular co-host Stephen couldn't make it this week so I am flying solo. I'm flying solo. I'm flying solo. S-O-L-O-S-O. Okay, um, <laughs> this is what happens when I fly solo. So I'm sorry if the audio sounds a little weird or if something is a little off about this episode, but I wanted to make sure we didn't miss a week for you guys, even though everybody else was so busy and a lot of things have been happening. Um, I know with Steven, a lot of, uh, he's had a lot of family problems that have come up. Uh, won't go into detail about that because that's personal business, but he had some things that came up, so he wasn't able to make it. Uh, Michael needed some time off because, of course, we put him through the ringer. We had him for five weeks in a row, and he's just a, a guest host. <laughs> he's not supposed to be on every single episode. So, um, we, we wanted to give him a break. And for me, this week has been kind of crazy because, uh, for anybody who doesn't know or follow the social media, uh, my personal social media, um, I actually got engaged this weekend. So yay. <laughs> it's an exciting time, but busy time. It is so, so busy. There is so much to do. Uh, even though our engagement is planned to last for a year where the wedding date isn't until next year, but there's still so much to do so much. So, um, you guys can congratulate me on our social medias, <laughs> get onto Kaiju weekly, uh, on Twitter and send me some congratulations and, and best wishes. Cause I just got engaged. Uh, my fiance was so surprised she did not see it coming, even though there were hints that uh, I had been dropping. She did not see it coming. and uh, But yeah, uh, and if you hear some noises, that's just the podcast cat, Daisy, who is stuck in the room with me, but does not want to be stuck in the room with me. But whenever I let her out of the recording room, she wants to be back in. So she can't make up her mind. Daisy, what do you want to do? You want to go out? Stay out. <laughs> you looking at me like she wants to come back in. Anyway, uh, so this week's going to be kind of a loose episode because it's just me and I don't really have anything uh, planned other than I well, I mean, I do have some stuff planned, but, you know, we don't have a regular topic like we normally do. Uh, for this week, I thought that it would be nice to just do a special Q&A uh, so I put out on my social medias 
again, follow us on Instagram, Kaiju Weekly Pod. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Kaiju Weekly, at Kaiju Weekly. Uh, I put out on there uh, that we wanted some questions, or I wanted some questions. Uh, so I did kind of an ask me anything. So I'm going to go through some of the questions that people sent in and talk about that instead of covering our regular topic for this week. And if you know about the trivia question that we asked last week that hinted to the topic for this week, if you commented on anything, giving us an answer, and you're worried about your shout out, don't worry, I'm saving those for when we do finally get to that topic, so you guys will get your shout-outs on the podcast, I promise, and it won't be but just a few weeks. Uh, we, I moved what we had scheduled uh, for this week, I moved it down to the week of, the, of March 18th. March 18th is when it's going to be moved to. So um, everybody who has commented and uh, answered our trivia question, I'm going to save it. And on March 18th, you'll get your shout outs. So don't worry about that. But before I do that, I do want to go over some news items because even though I'm by myself, the news cycle doesn't stop and we do have some giant monster news. So I'm going to share that with you guys. And since it's just me, I'm just going to go through them, give my opinions, not really dive deep into it. And I'm not doing a lot of editing on this podcast because with the engagement and with everything else happening, I am so busy. So I'm not even going to edit this podcast that much. I'm just going to let it flow naturally. Um, like that. I'm going to leave some ums and ahs. I mean, I normally do that in the regular podcast because it feels more natural, but I do edit some. This is going to have even less editing, <laughs> if you can imagine. So, the news for this week. We had Arrow Video confirms that the Gamera box set is a real thing. We have been, we have kind of talked about that. I think Michael was on when we talked about uh, that there was a Gamera box set that was going to include all of the Showa movies and the Heisei movies. Uh, and it has been confirmed that that is a real thing. And it is slated to release for 2020 in the U.S., in Canada, and in the U.K. Um, Arrow Video, I think we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, is a U.K.-based company. So it makes sense for it to be released in the U.K., but it is getting a release in the U.S. and in Canada. So that is, uh, that's exciting. So this is going to be the first time since Mill Creek's 2014 release that all 12 Gamera films will be available in one boxed collection. So this is the first time since 2014 that you can get all 12 Gamera films. Uh, so we don't have any details on this yet, on the art, on what it's going to look like, what, I guess what level of restoration they're doing on the Showa era ones, but we don't even know the price. Um, but yeah, it, it is supposed to be released sometime in 2020, and it's going to be featured... Oh, it does, we, we do have that written down here. It says it will feature the 4K versions of the Heisei trilogy. So we still don't know what, what kind of uh, definition and what kind of restoration they're going to do on the Showas. Um, so we'll see. Pricing is yet to be confirmed, but uh, I'm guessing a set of this importance will offer 
it's probably going to be it's probably going to be around $150. Uh that 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 makes sense because the Criterion collection was like 100 to 200 uh, 150 to $200 uh retail price. So that makes sense. And this news was broken. I'm going to give credit to uh, Kaiju News Outlet, who I use as a source of a lot of my news. Uh, if you ever notice that a lot of times I am sharing stories that straight from their Twitter because <laughs> I like using them for my source of Kaiju News. Um, but yeah, they they reached out to Arrow and asked if it was going to be available in the U.S. because we had hints to and they had mentioned you know that there's going to be this box set that's coming and they confirmed it on twitter so yeah exciting uh, i'm looking forward to it. i i i really do want to get this because i've never had all of the camera films in one place so i would love to get this um i don't know i don't know if i can get it right away because with the engagement and again i'm so excited i keep mentioning it but i'm so excited um but uh with with everything going on i may not be able to afford <laughs> to get it uh even though it's not super duper expensive but just because every little penny needs to be saved but um let's see the next bit of news images have surfaced of an all-new godzilla monopoly game i saw this on twitter again and this was so crazy looking um monopoly godzilla will uh, monopoly godzilla will run for 39.99 so 40 dollars which actually isn't that bad for a monopoly uh for some of these licensed monopolies because if you've ever seen the monopoly games that are licensed like the star wars one and some of the other ones they they are pretty expensive um for just a, being a board game in my opinion. <laughs> but I don't really care that much for Monopoly, so I guess that's just me. But um, it's going to be available at specialty stores throughout North America, according to USopoly, which is the company who has partnered with Toho on this release. Um, expect this one to sell out fast and the aftermarket price to increase over time yes uh, because this is a collector's item if it sells out you're going to have those people who have bought 10 of them and they're going to sell them for hundreds and hundreds of dollars we have been seeing that with a lot of the uh, NECA uh, toys um, the the figures that have come out that people have been doing that so get it if you want it get it when you can so, uh, last Sunday, February 9th, Tokyo hosted its 31st annual Winter Wonderfest event. Now, this was, uh, we had talked about this, me and, uh, Steven, and said that we were going to hold off on giving any kind of news because, uh, this was, you know, in the collector's world and we are not collectors. Michael is the collector. And so I reached out to him. He sent me some stuff that, uh, he liked from it, and I'm going to read out some of his, uh, this is, this is actually directly from him. So, uh, this event brings in thousands of toys and model collectors and enthusiasts from around the world and officially kicks off the expo trade show season for many in the kaiju community. Wonderfest is also the first event companies like to 
like X Plus, Star Ace, and others show off their line of toys and collectibles for the coming months. Some notable products coming this year are X Plus Gigantic Series Mechagodzilla 1974. Now, this one I have seen pictures of. Uh, Michael has sent pictures of it, and it looks amazing. It is absolutely. I mean, all of the X Plus and all a lot of the a lot of these ones. These look ridiculously just good and but these these gigantic series this gigantic series of the x plus is just so much more detailed and so cool so yeah it looks really good I, i'm not a collector but it looks fantastic um they also talked about uh they also had the x plus 30 centimeter megalon i saw that one too uh, i w- i saw a bunch of pictures of this on twitter i just but i'm not a collector um Deferil, Space Godzilla, and more. So there's more of the Deferil uh, line. If you don't know that, it's 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 a weird looking. It's very hyper realistic in its like it's got or hyper detailed, but it's also misshapen kind of like they have bigger heads and smaller bodies and stuff. Um, the the figures do, uh, but they're they're really cool looking. They are really cool looking. So. Uh, that's some of the things that we got from Wonderfest a couple of weeks ago. And so if you are interested in the collector scene, I'm sure you are probably aware of a lot of this because we are not a source of news for a lot of things. We are not a source of news for collector stuff because we, me and Steven are not collectors. We have Michael and that's it. Um, so when Michael's not here, we don't really have a lot to say about this stuff. And speaking of which, I, I'm pretty much done. I don't know what else to say about it other than it looks really cool and I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited of what it means because the trade shows are starting out and this kind of kicked it off. So to see what other stuff we're going to get throughout the year. Um, let's see, what is our other bit of news? Okay, so we also had a new promotional poster for Howl from Beyond the Fog. Now, if you are not aware of this movie, we have talked about it on the podcast a few times. It is a an independent kaiju film that was uh, financed through Kickstarter and has a lot of interesting people on board uh, making it. There's uh, the, I can't remember his name, but the one of the designers who designed uh, Varan or Varan, however you say his name, um, and some other kaiju. Uh, so he's a you know established in the industry, and he designed the kaiju for this film, which is called Nebula, and it's using the old-fashioned kaiju suitmation, so Tokusatsu, but it's also using for the human characters puppets. Uh, this really kind of newer style of puppet that gives it more expression and more uh, detail in it in the way it looks. And it looks really interesting. It is absolutely a unique film, if nothing else. I cannot talk about the actual quality of the film because I haven't seen it. But if you've seen any of the trailers, you can look up any of the trailers. And it is an absolutely unique film. There is nothing like it in the world so this is something i really hope will get an american release um, because or or a wider release in general because i really do want to see this um like i said we have talked about it on the podcast before but the new promotional if i can talk uh 
promotional poster for this movie uh, has surfaced online, and it's actually uh, marketing a special screening for the film that's going to be at the Kyoto Minami Hall on February 21st. We also got a prototype action figure uh, that has been shown online for the uh, for Nebula, the, the giant kaiju. And it looks kind of cool. Now, from what I've heard, this is actually supposed to be a prototype of the figures that are going to be given to certain um, Kickstarter supporters uh, who, you know, support it at a certain tier as a reward. Uh, don't know if we're going to get any kind of release, wide release of these. Because if the movie's having a hard time getting a wide release, we can imagine the, the figures that are based on this movie are not going to get a wide release but if you are a collector of kaiju memorabilia and you want to collect like kaiju from all over check out um how from beyond the fog and look for those figures because they look really cool and i don't know if there's a way to get a hold to one if you are not already a kickstarter supporter from back when it was actually running its campaign but it is worth looking into i didn't look into it because i'm not a collector but it's worth looking into okay so the next bit of news that we have is there was a new movie trailer that came out that was before sonic the hedgehog so it hasn't actually been released online yet uh, other than leaked ones that i have seen but if you went and saw Sonic the Hedgehog, you got a special treat, not just from the movie, if you like the movie. Um, but there's a, a new DreamWorks movie in the work called Rumble. And this is an animated film that's set in a world where uh, giant kaiju are treated like pro wrestlers. And it follows kind of the story of an up-and-comer who's trying to be the best and practice and 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 be the best fighter and it looks really interesting if you haven't seen i saw the leaked one online on youtube because i have not gone to see sonic the hedgehog uh but i saw the trailer on youtube and it looks funny it looks interesting the kaiju that are shown look really interesting uh they have personalities and talk and everything because it is a kids movie so they are more personality driven i guess i don't know they're they're more characters than than what you might get from like just monster movies um because this isn't really a monster movie this this kind of fits more in line with what it looks like in tone uh with monsters versus aliens if anybody remembers that dreamworks movie uh, this kind of feels like it fits in that same same universe. And uh, I mean, that's not a bad thing. I, I, I didn't hate that movie. I mean, it's obviously meant for kids, um, Monsters vs. Aliens. So, you know, I, I'm not going to fault a movie for being kid-friendly when it's meant for kids. But uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to this. And we will probably cover it on the podcast when it comes out. Because uh, I think even Steven might be able to watch that one in the theaters. Because he can take his kids to go see it. Or especially his daughter, who's really young. Um, so that's that's uh, exciting stuff there. I don't know who's uh, starring in it or anything. Um, I haven't looked that up. I uh, probably could, 
but I am lazy and don't feel like doing it. <laughs> All right, so the last bit of news that we got, and that it just broke today. Um, I was sent it today. It is there is a listing on Amazon for the art of Godzilla versus Kong, and it is for forty five dollars. It is slated. Or it is set to be released on the 17th, which is just a couple of days before the movie actually releases in theaters. So, here is the description that is on Amazon for this product. It says, oh, excuse me, go behind the scenes of the biggest battle in movie history with this deluxe book that explores the art and making of Godzilla vs. Kong. Delve into the making of Godzilla vs. Kong and experience cinema's most colossal clash like never before. Featuring exclusive concept art and insights from the filmmakers, the art of Godzilla vs. Kong is the ultimate guide to an iconic movie showdown. From creature design to on-set photography, the art of Godzilla vs. Kong captures every stage of the filmmaking process, giving you unprecedented access to the creation of a titanic movie event. So, that is an interesting thing. Um, I haven't checked it out, but Michael has the art of King of the Monsters. He said was a very beautiful book and was well done, so he's looking forward to this one coming out right before the movie. Hopefully it doesn't spoil anything. Um, so if you are going to order this book, you might want to hold off looking at it until you actually see the movie. Um, but if the, if the book comes out, like, what is it, two days before the movie gets released, I, I can't see most people probably buying it that day. Probably will wait until after they see the movie. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a collector, so, you know, I don't have that mentality of, I must buy this now. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's the only news that we had. So, now we can get into our main topic, which is just a Q&A. Like I said, uh, we're going to do a quick Q&A. I put out onto my social medias um, the uh, asking for some questions. And like I said, I know this is kind of a loose episode because I'm not doing a lot of editing, uh, but I'm trying to keep it moving. Keep it going. Um, so this is... Where, where am I looking? I am going to go to the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group um, first because I posted on there. If you don't know, the Kaiju Groupie uh, Facebook group has kind of become the unofficial uh, Facebook group of the podcast. Uh, there's actually multiple podcasts who like to get on there and, and talk. I know David Marshall from the uh, Kaiju Apostle podcast is also on there. And I think we've even gotten some of the members of GargantuCast might have gotten on there. We might end up getting uh, Monsters vs. Men, at least one or two, uh, or well, there's only two, uh, one of the hosts on there to just join in on the fun. Because if you're a kaiju fan, the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group is a lot of fun to be a part of. Um, and they also have an Instagram account. It's the Kaiju Groupie. And they also have uh, in um, Twitter. You can follow them on Twitter. 
the kaiju groupie and that that's all michael michael is the one behind all of the social medias for the kaiju groupie he is the kaiju groupie and uh so you can go follow those there um those social media things too because he actually keeps up with the social media more than i do (laughs) if you follow kaiju weekly on twitter you might have noticed that uh the postings and stuff have slowed down for us because i've been busy uh again i'm engaged celebrate good time come on okay um but yeah it's just it's exciting i'm excited uh for it so of course i'm gonna keep talking about it but uh but yeah so so michael keeps up with his social medias more than i do so i i wouldn't feel bad if you guys chose to follow kaiju groupie on twitter and instagram before you followed kaiju weekly but the good thing about social media is you're not limited to the number of people that you can follow so you can follow both of us um but anyway yeah i posted on the kaiju groupie facebook group i said i need help filling time on this week's kaiju weekly podcast so i'm doing a last minute ask me anything q a so i said give me your questions either podcast related or other so some of them might be giant monster related some of them might not be so we've got a bunch of people sent in multiple questions, and I'm going to try to get through all of them. Um, so that's that's fine that they sent in multiple questions, but I just was going to give you a heads up, uh, listeners, that some people sent in multiple questions. So let's get, dive into it. Ben Colton commented or asked the question, if you could remake one old monster movie, no matter where it was made, what movie would you remake and why? And then he goes on, do you feel as though it could do well on name alone, or would it need to be marketed in just the right way to grab mainstream attention? Would you want it to be as identical to the original as possible, or would you change anything? If so, what would you change about the movie? Now, I have put some thought into this because I do have an actual answer uh, for this question, because I think... Michael might have asked a similar question on the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, and I commented something. So, if anyone is not aware of Little Shop of Horrors, Little Shop of Horrors actually started out as a 1950s, I think it was in the 1950s, um, maybe early 1960s, it was still in black and white, so it was before, before they started doing color as a standard, but it was an early, uh, Roger Corman monster movie that had some humor to it, but wasn't super over the top in its comedy, and then they took, and in the 80s, turned that into a Broadway play. And I think that is such an an amazing thing that they took this just random monster movie and turned it into a musical. And I would, I want to see somebody do that with another giant monster movie. I want to see them take an old giant monster movie that most people have never even heard of and do a musical about it. So the one that I propose is Night of the Lepus, which I have mentioned on the podcast kind of in passing because I'm obsessed with that film. It is about giant bunny rabbits. (laughs) And 
it is so ridiculous. It is not meant to be funny, but it is so funny in its and unintentionally. And I love that movie so much. And I kind of want to see what they would do with it as a musical. I'm kind of picturing more like cats. Like you have people dressed in bunny suits just jumping around and singing songs. <laughs> Which then begs the question, will they in the future then make it as a CGI creep fest like they did with cats where people are wearing CGI cat suits and shrunk down to look more cat sized and uh, everyone freaks out about it. I tell you what, those cats, I mean, I know it's old news now because we're in February and that came out, what, December, November? It's old news now, but those cats in the movie Cats, <laughs> if they were 10 feet taller we would be covering that movie on this podcast because they are that monstrous. They are so freaky. <laughs> they are like monsters, but they're small monsters, not giant monsters. And this is a giant monster podcast. But yeah, I would think, I would not think, but I would love to see a Night of the Leapest musical done on Broadway, get uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber to do the music for it, and have people dressed in bunny suits hopping around the stage, and I just want to see it so bad. Now, as far as will it be able to be marketed based on its name alone and the uh, reputation of the film? Absolutely not, because no one has heard of this movie other than me and a few others. And so it's definitely not going to grab mainstream attention. <laughs> uh, it might grab... You know, sometimes, you never know. Sometimes those weird musicals they're off broadway and they they do grab people's attention so you never know but yeah that's that's my answer for that question uh so nicholas blackler asked if you could put any kaiju villain from the 1966 ultraman up against one from the first season of the mighty Morphin power rangers who would it be or better yet who do you think the two most ridiculous kaiju from each series and who would win in a fight uh, and then that's, he mentions that's also very similar to the bonus podcast that we are working on for our Patreon supporters. Uh, if you haven't heard, if you support us at the $10 level or more, uh, which I think it might be the highest level, so I don't think you can go any higher. <laughs> but if you, uh, if you support us at the $10 level, you will get a bonus podcast once a month called kaiju clash where me and steven or me and michael depending on which one of them is available at the time and maybe even some special guests will uh talk about the different monsters blank versus blank who wins in a fight and we go through the scenarios of how they might win and what they might do and we're going to have it uh, uh a lot more detailed than what we did uh when we did a little mini one in our last episode but if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to The Giant Claw because that is one of my favorite episodes that we've recorded so far. I had a blast just recording that and talking to Steven about that movie. But there's also a little, at the end, we also did do a little mini kaiju clash to give you a hint of what it might uh, sound like. Now, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a little more detailed than what we went into there. Um, now, as far as... Power Rangers villains from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. 
I have to admit, as much as I love Power Rangers, and I do, I am a huge Power Rangers fan, I cannot remember a lot of the monsters from that series. They they kind of all blend together after a little while to me. Um, I know when I was a kid, one of my favorites from there, and I don't know why I was so obsessed with him, was because you, you have Goldar, but there was this like Sphinx uh goldar is the best way i can describe him he was kind of he looked a lot like goldar but he had egyptian uh like costuming and had bird wings and and stuff and he looked really cool and he was one of my favorites that i always wish i had the toy of i don't think i ever did have the toy of him but there were a lot of really Fun and interesting monsters that were from that Super Sentai that you know basically created the monsters. They have they have some amazing monster designs. Um, some of my favorite uh, monster designs for Power Rangers actually comes from the uh, the uh, Wild Force season because Wild Force just for some reason they that t- stands out to me as some of the most creative monster designs. Um, but going up, uh, going up against Ultraman monsters, I just, I don't see any of the Power Ranger monsters really faring that well, unless you, you know, toss in, like, the Green Ranger, who, when he was under control of Rita, because most of them were not super duper powerful, and they were all defeated by the Power Rangers, and Ultraman monsters some of them tend to be pretty powerful. I mean, Ultraman, you know, does beat them, but a lot of them do come back. Now, some of the Ultraman monsters do, do seem a lot like Power Rangers monsters to me. I think Dada or Dada, uh, however you want to say his name, it really reminds me a lot of a Power Rangers monster. So who would win a fight? I would still give it to the Ultraman monsters. Uh, but as far as individuals that I'd like to see, I mean, my, one of my favorite Ultraman monsters is Balton. I love Balton or Baltan, however you say it. And so seeing him fight something from Power Rangers, uh, would be fun, but I can't give you specifics just because I, I, I can't really remember too many. I mean, I know Rito Repulsa, was uh Rita's brother um I remember the eyeball monster uh I remember I remember you know some of them but a lot of them do kind of blend together after a while to me so I'm sorry if I can't answer that in any kind of detail um Nicholas Blackler also asked the question if you could switch out the monsters from the Rampage video game with monsters from the Godzilla universe who would you like to see um I I'm gonna go with Godzilla of course because Godzilla you gotta have Godzilla uh I would go with Angiris and Gigan. I think those three, uh, and I'm just going to go with those three because, uh, let's see, the, you have Lizzie, Ralph, and George are the three main monsters from the Rampage video games. I think there is the, there is the rat, and I can't remember what the rat's name is, but th- those are the three that I, that I think of when I think of Rampage. So, yeah, I would definitely go, I would go Godzilla. Godzilla, I think, could do some tail swiping 
action that would destroy the buildings. I mean, if you're talking about putting them in the video game with the same mechanics, uh, that means they'd have to be able to climb the buildings. They'd have to be able to reach in and eat the people and all that kind of stuff. And so I would say Godzilla, you wouldn't really have that with some of the flying ones like Rodan or with Mothra or with Ghidorah because they don't really have arms that can climb onto the buildings. They fly. So you need something that's going to be able to climb and grab hold to the buildings and reach in and pull humans out and eat them. And so, yeah, uh, I, I, I would think Godzilla and Gyrus and Gigan. I think Gigan with the hook hands could really do some damage to some of those buildings and stuff. So I think he'd be a lot of fun. So that's that. That's my answer. Uh, that's it for the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. I also posted it onto one of my other uh, Facebook groups I'm a part of and asked them to give me some questions. So let's see what we've got on there. Uh, Phil Better, the host of the Phil Better Show, a podcast that you can find on iTunes and other places. Uh, he asked the question, why does everyone hate the 1998 Godzilla? Uh, also, why is it one of the greatest Godzillas? So, uh, he asked a couple of other questions, but I'm going to take that one first. So, I think everyone has an opinion on why the 1998 Godzilla is or isn't the best slash worst version of Godzilla we've ever gotten or worst monster movie we've ever gotten. I am of the opinion that it is not a bad movie there. I mean, it's not a great movie and I'm sorry if I'm bumping the microphone. I just bumped it a little bit. Hello. (laughs) Um, it is not a terrible movie. There are way worse monster movies than Godzilla 98. I think the reason why most people, and I, I'm, I think this is pretty well accepted in the kaiju community as to why most people hate that film so much, is because if you grew up as a Godzilla fan, like I did, and you grew up in the 70s, 80s, 90s, any of that time period, when you didn't have a lot of these Godzilla movies available in your area. Like uh, me being in the U.S. and the part of the U.S. that I grew up in, we didn't get a lot of these movies. Canada, the U.K. U.K. is notorious for not getting giant monster movies. Uh, So if you are a fan of these things and you're not getting that stuff, you're excited for whatever comes out. And so the for me... When Godzilla 98 came out, I was so excited. I'm like, yes, we finally get an American-made Godzilla film. Finally, all of my friends will get to see why I'm so obsessed with Godzilla. Why I look... Because they always make fun of me. They always made fun of me. Why do you like this goofy stuff, this silly stuff with the guys in the rubber suits and everything? So it's like, oh, no, no, just wait to the movie. Just wait and watch. And then it just wasn't a good representation of Godzilla. Uh, It wasn't the Godzilla that I grew up loving. It wasn't the Godzilla that uh, I wanted my friends to experience. And I think that kind of upset a lot of people because you had such high expectations and such high hopes. And then you just 
really, really just doing. If you're talking about it from the standpoint of them taking this property and adapting it for American audiences, they did a poor job, an awful, awful job, because it is nothing like the original. Now, that being said, I still think if you eliminate all of that baggage, if you take all of that baggage off of that film and you just go into it with the thought of this is a monster film, not supposed to be anything, it's just supposed to be a monster film, it's not bad. It is not bad. Uh, It's not perfect. There's some goofy, silly moments in it, but it's not bad. And so I think that people carry a lot of baggage with them when they go into that movie, and that caused a lot of uh, backlash for it. So I think, you know, if people take a step back and just look at it objectively, they may like it a little bit more. They may not. Different different people have different tastes, so we, you never know. But in my opinion, I think it's widely accepted. That's why it's hated so much and why people have such um, negative opinions of it is just because of the disappointment. It kind of brings back the other It's like PTSD. It just brings back this this horror, horrible, uh, horrible experience that you had when you were younger of expecting one thing and not getting it. Now, Phil Better also asks, which kaiju is one you would love to see in real life? Mothra. I would love to see Mothra in real life because of all of the giant monsters, she is the least destructive to mankind. And if we're talking about having a giant monster in real life, I don't want Godzilla. I don't want Rodan. I don't want Gamera. I don't want any of these monsters because they are terrible (laughs) they destroy things they kill people you know some of them are by accident and some of them are just you know in the line of fire but still i wouldn't want to see them in real life because i i value i value my life and i value my home i don't want to lose that um so mothra for me and and i mothra is my second favorite kaiju above godzilla or, or, or below godzilla um, Godzilla is my favorite, so I am a Godzilla fan through and through, but I love Mothra. I really, really, really love Mothra. So Mothra would be one I would love to see in real life. Um, which kaiju would you love as a pet? If it's human size or smaller, like pet sized, Baragon. I would love to have Baragon. He looks like a puppy dog already with the ears and with the face and everything. He looks so cute. I love Baragon. <laughs> so, Baragon. But again, if we're talking about the size of these kaiju monsters, these these monsters, the size they regularly are, I don't want them in the real world because, my goodness, they will destroy everything, and I don't want that. Um, let's see. Jordan Edwards, who is a friend of uh, of mine and a friend that I have known uh, for a while through Facebook. He's a Facebook friend. Uh, he commented and asked, what's your kaiju movie guilty pleasure? I would say I have two because there's one. I, I don't really believe in guilty pleasures. You like what you like. I mean, I, I talked about how much I love Night of the Lepus 
And that is a ridiculous movie. I think if you like giant monster movies in general, you kind of already are out of the guilty pleasure uh, phase because all of these movies are guilty pleasures to mainstream people. But there are two that kind of are either not well known or known to be not so great or that they don't people don't uh, other people even in the community don't seem to enjoy them that much and i do so the first one is attack of the killer tomatoes i love attack of the killer tomatoes i think it is an excellent parody it's an excellent farce it is so good as a comedy if you go into it. I know the name and the idea of it just turns people off right away because it's so stupid, but that's the idea. It's like a Mel uh, Brooks movie. It, the, it's, it's so intelligent in its ridiculousness. Um, there's a lot of thought put into how ridiculous that movie is and i kind of like that i i think they're you know they, they it's not just a random throw anything at the wall stupid movie it actually has some thought behind it and i think that's really good so that is a guilty pleasure of mine because and i consider it guilty pleasure because most people probably don't even remember that that movie exists um and the sequel and the tv series but I really enjoyed that as a kid. I enjoy it now. It's still one of my favorites. Now, one that a lot of the community, a lot of kaiju fans don't seem to enjoy a lot, but I really enjoy is Dragon Wars, which is A or D Wars is how it was marketed a lot too. That was a Korean film uh, that featured giant dragons and monsters and all kinds of stuff. And it was really tied into uh, a Korean mythology and it, it had so much going on and I understand the complaints that people have for the film but I still thoroughly enjoy that movie and I think it's way way underrated um so I would consider that one a guilty pleasure because I know most people do not like that one or, or seem to not like that one I really do I think that it should be enjoyed more than it actually is by most people. Um, so I'm one of the big defenders of that movie. <laughs> so that that's my two uh, kaiju movie guilty pleasures. Uh, like I said, it's kind of hard to go with guilty pleasure because all of these movies are guilty pleasures when it comes to mainstream audiences. You know, the, most people don't know these movies or like these movies. So anything that's giant monster related tends to be uh, very niche. Okay, Pegas Dazzy, I hope I'm saying that right, asked the question, would you rather fight a duck-sized horse or a horse-sized duck? Now, I think this is a reference to another podcast called The Weekly Planet. If you listeners have not heard that one, it's kind of hard for me to describe because I've been listening to them for years and they've been going for years, but they're an Australian-based uh, pop culture comic book movie podcast that is just absolutely hilarious and i love listening to them every week um so if you haven't heard of them go check them out uh, i can't imagine that too many people are listening to this podcast and haven't heard of them because they are so big they are huge they're one of the largest uh australian podcasts out there 
Um, but uh, would I rather fight a duck-sized horse or a horse-sized duck? It would be the duck, because the horse-sized duck. Because I actually love ducks. I love ducks so much, and I actually would would enjoy you know uh, the the uh, and it's fighting. I would have to fight it though. That's the only thing. But yeah, yeah, uh, the horse-sized duck. I would I would tame it. I would I would beat it and then tame it like a Pokemon, and then ride it into battle against my enemies. (laughs) Um, I think on the Weekly Planet, they mentioned that, oh, you know, if it's a duck-sized horse, people might say, well, that's just a miniature horse, but a horse-sized duck, people are like, whoa, (laughs) it's like something obviously is wrong here. Um, Lee Morant, or Morante, I'm going to go with Morant, Uh, he asks the question would you rather fight a godzilla sized duck or a duck sized godzilla again i think i think a duck sized godzilla would be too dangerous even even at that size i think godzilla would be too dangerous so a godzilla sized duck because i love ducks now here's the question do i get to pick the breed of duck because there are some really gorgeous ducks there are some really ugly ducks out there <laughs> so uh, if i got to pick which duck which type of duck i got to fight then uh yeah i would I, i'm still gonna go with godzilla sized duck because i love ducks <laughs> uh and then he asked the question then why would a duck sized godzilla still wipe the floor with 1998 godzilla again we're talking about uh how <laughs> people don't really like that monster in that monster movie so there's some example. Uh, Tony Kaz asked the question, is enough enough when it comes to the reimagined look of the Godzilla character between fake suits? Two real, uh, between the fake suits and the two real life Godzilla CGI. Do you think they have taken it as far as they have? And can you f- even fathom them taking it any further? Uh, the storyline is pretty beat to death, to be honest. Throughout the years, where is the progression in a new storyline? Now, Tony, I kind of see what you mean with uh, if you look at like the Showa and the Heisei movies alone, and even the Millennium series uh, alone, the storyline for Godzilla is kind of just beaten to death. I don't think, you know, there's... I would not, until recently, have imagined them being able to do anything unique with Godzilla. Then the Reiwa era came. And then if you don't know what the Reiwa era, it it started with Godzilla or Shin Godzilla. And it's the era we are in right now in Japanese filmmaking. And Shin Godzilla came out. Now, whether you love it or hate it, you cannot deny that Shin Godzilla was a design and a story that we were not expecting from Godzilla. That is something so unique, so different than anything else. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people didn't like it. My, myself included, I'm not... The movie was okay, but I'm not super jazzed about the design. And part of it is because it is so different and so unique and so not what I expect when I think of Godzilla. That does not equal bad. That's just why I am not a fan of it. 
people love Shin Godzilla too. There's a lot of people who love Shin Godzilla. There's a lot of people who don't like it. But I, I just, you cannot deny the fact that they came out with something that was so unique and so different and something that I was not expecting from a Godzilla film. And I have to say, as much as I'm not the biggest fan of the anime trilogy that came out on Netflix, you kind of have the same situation there. I cannot, but I cannot imagine myself sitting down and saying, hey, if I was doing a Godzilla movie, this is what I would do. This is something I never would have imagined for a Godzilla film. And I don't think the quality kind of lived up to that idea of, oh, wow, this is something completely new. The quality kind of was like, well, it's something new, but it's also not great. But at the same time, I think I think if if we move into a new era, you know, down the line past the Reiwa era, the Reiwa era of Godzilla, like, like the Showa era is known as the originals. The, the Heisei era is known for being the versus series because Godzilla versed uh, versus everything. Godzilla versus Biollante, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. The Reiwa era will go down in history. Mark my words as the most original and unique storytelling when it comes to Godzilla. Now, I won't still won't go as far as saying it's the best storytelling or the best designs or the best, but it's definitely original and definitely unique. So I think that there is still more you can do with Godzilla. I still think there is more you can do with the design with the characterization, with the story that we haven't seen. And I think that Shin Godzilla and the Godzilla anime trilogy have proven, if anything, have proven that you can do something unique with them. Now, whether the quality matches up to that expectation, eh, we'll, we'll have to, you know, see. But I, I don't think, I don't think it's stagnant. I don't think Godzilla is stagnant. I think Godzilla is like Doctor Who or like, um, Star Trek or like a lot of those series that are long running they reinvent themselves in new and unique ways then and that keeps people around that keeps people around um, so I yeah yeah I, I definitely think there's there's room for uh, for that in, in the Godzilla franchise Rory Spence asks the question in a sequel to Godzilla vs. Barkley the whole 1992 U.S. Olympic basketball team versus Godzilla, Gamera, Mothra, Ghidorah, and King Kong. Who wins at basketball? Not a fight. So, not fighting. Who wins at basketball? You gotta give it up to the Dream Team. Because, I mean, you're talking about some of the greatest basketballers of all time. R.I.P. Uh, Kobe. Um... But yeah, you're you're talking about some of the greatest basketball players of all time that was in that dream team, the Olympic uh, 1992 U.S. Olympic basketball team, and up against monsters who, a most of them have very short, stubby arms if they have arms at all, because <laughs> like Ghidorah doesn't have any arms at all. Uh, you're talking about ones who have never played basketball before. Yeah, no, no, it's it's the dream team. 
it's definitely the dream team that wins that. Um, I love that someone referenced Godzilla versus Barkley. That is just amazing. <laughs> Godzilla versus Charles Barkley. If, if, if listeners, I, I know it's kind of a niche thing and weird. Uh, if you, we have some people who are new to the kaiju world. If you've never heard of Godzilla versus Barkley, what that was was uh, there were was some. I guess I think it was Nike. I'm. I actually can't remember which brand it was now, but there was a brand that put out uh, some advertisements that was Godzilla versus Charles Barkley in a basketball game. And then they turned that into a comic book and it's just become like a cultural thing uh, and a part of the kaiju community for the longest time. So that's just to kind of give you uh, give you a little rundown of what that is. Uh, Luke, now I've never, Luke, I've never said your name out loud. I've known you for a while, but I've never said your last name out loud. So, uh, Luke Ossivort, Ossivort, um, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, but I've known Luke for a while through Facebook and through other communities that we are a part of. Um, he asked the question, where is Godzilla's genitals? I know Godzilla has some form of cloaca or cloaca, uh, because the first Hollywood movie with Matthew Broderick made babies. Uh, and then Tony Kaz come in, especially with son of Godzilla. Where is he, where is he hiding the school bus? Um, so, uh, this might be a good time to say that next week's episode, we are going to have a special guest, or we we are planning on having a special guest, who actually knows a little bit more about biology, uh, animal biology, and uh, giant monster biology than I do, so maybe he can answer that question, um, because we, I, the only thing I can say is, yeah, uh, uh, clo- a cloaca, or cloaca, um, and it's it's one of those ones that's hidden <laughs> uh so i don't know but uh but yeah next week we are going to have the guest uh sam young on and he hosts uh a podcast that is called and i always forget i always forget the name of his podcast even though i'm subscribed to it um because i cinematica animalia that's that's the podcast that he hosts um but he talks about the ecology and the biology of different giant uh not giant monsters but different monsters from movies uh and film uh, and tv so uh he's supposed to be guesting on and we're going to be talking about some fun things on there so he might be able to answer that question better than i can luke <laughs> um let's see michael Mon. Tavlo, Talvo, Montalvo. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, what would Godzilla say is his biggest strength? Weakness. If we were to form some kind of suicide squad, what role would Godzilla play? Well, now, as far as his biggest strength, I mean, Godzilla, Godzilla would say it's his personality. Because Godzilla is the kind of person that would say, you know, one of my biggest strengths is my personality. I, I love people. I love visiting places. I'm adventurous, you know, in his, in his, uh, um, uh, dating app profile. Um, uh, as far as his weaknesses are concerned, I mean, does he have any? 
I mean, he's, he's got a brain in his butt. <laughs> that's kind of a weakness. If you don't know what that's referencing, uh, go watch uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2 the, from the Heisei era uh, from, 19, from the 1990s. Because uh, they, they mention how Godzilla's uh, biology, he has a smaller brain inside his tail. It's in his tail, but I like to say he has a brain of his butt. <laughs> um... Now, as far as what role would he play in the Suicide Squad, I mean, he would be a tank. He'd be the tank of the team, because why not? I mean, it's Godzilla. He's He can just smash through anything. So, yeah. Put him on the team. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, we have Ivalo Ev- Solov. I'm sorry if I I know I'm mispronouncing that, <laughs> so I'm not even gonna say if I know I'm mispronouncing that name. Um, he asks why or even how did Godzilla do that weird kick in Godzilla vs. Megalon? <laughs> I mean, we've seen Godzilla can defy physics. Uh, I I always uh, chalk it up to he just he can propel himself using his tail. And so that's that's how he does it. Um, also, do you ever feel like a plastic bag drifting through the wind, wanting to start again? Cause baby, you're a firework. Come on, let your curlers burst. Make them go. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> this is what happens when I'm by myself. Uh, no one's here to stop me or edit this out. <laughs> Um, so that's it for the Facebook questions. I just have a couple of questions that came through on Twitter, so I'm going to answer those real quick. Um, we're already at an hour. My goodness, time has flown by. So hopefully this is enjoy, uh, this is an enjoyable, uh, thing to listen to, because I don't really know how it's turning out, (laughs) but this was just the best we could do on such short notice. And I'm glad that I've had people to talk to. Uh, through the social medias. Yeah, they've asked questions. And I'm able to answer their questions. Um, Gargantucast actually reached out to us and asked a question. And they saved my bacon because I needed some questions. <laughs> they asked the question, What do you think is the primary difference between Western monster movies and Eastern monster movies? Now, I've answered this question kind of, I think, before. But I will go ahead and uh, state my opinion on it. I think it comes down to the way it's viewed by the masses. Uh, in the Eastern cultures, uh, especially in Japan and Korea, they view monster movies a little bit differently than we do in the West. And they view them as a way of telling stories. They don't necessarily view them as just kid-friendly or silly or dumb. They go into it with the idea of, we can make a good movie. We can make something from this. Uh, and they play with genres. Uh, I think, you know, if you if you ever watch some of the weird, kind of bizarre, left-of-center giant monster stuff that Japan has put out, they really like to play with genres. They do comedies, they do serious dramas, they do historical dramas. I mean, Daimajin is a historical drama uh, that just features giant monster movie, uh, giant monsters in it. Um, so I think that that is the real difference. I, I, I like to compare it to animation. Um, if you ever uh, notice, or if, you, you know, if you're not aware... 
uh, if you ever look at some of the Japanese and Chinese and Korean animations uh, or anime, animated movies, they really just view animation as a medium to tell a story. They don't view it as inherently kid-friendly or inherently silly. Whereas in the West, especially in the United States, we still view animated movies as kids' things. Like, even when we have more adult-oriented uh, TV shows or films that are animated, you still have to climb that mountain of doubt and climb that mountain of people just saying, no, it's, a, it's only for kids. It's only for kids. And, and so anytime somebody does a, an adult-oriented or a more mature animated film or uh, TV show, they are constantly talking about how you have to overcome those prejudices. That's the word I was looking for. They have to overcome the prejudices that people have about animated movies here in the United States and in the West in general, whereas they don't have that in uh, Korea or Japan or even China. Uh, but I think uh, it's kind of similar with giant monster movies. I think that there's this preconceived notion to a lot of Western audiences that say giant monster movies are silly. And so anytime that a filmmaker does try to make a Western adaptation or a Western version of a giant monster movie, they are already fighting an uphill battle and they have to overcome those prejudices right away. Whereas uh, the, the uh, Eastern cultures, like I said, Korea, Japan, China, the, the big ones that usually are making the films, they don't have those prejudices. They don't have those preconceived notions and they don't have to fight against that when they're making the film. So they have more freedom to kind of experiment and try new things and different things that you just wouldn't get in a lot of the Western movies uh, or monster movies. So I hope I answered that uh, well enough for you. That's just my opinion. That's how I look at it. Um, we had, let's see, let's see, the Kaiju Groupie, so Michael, you, you weren't on the, you weren't on the episode, but you, you asked me a question, you, you could have been on the episode, dude, like, why, why, why not, no, I know, I get it, I get it, he, he's got a life outside of this podcast, come on, um, but the Kaiju Groupie, uh, Michael, he asked the question, what have you thought of the Ultraman series so far, and what has been your favorite moment, I am still working my way through the Ultraman series, I am not all the way through, but I have really enjoyed how much the show surprises me each week, or, well, not each week, but each episode, I am very surprised by this because i thought i knew what ultraman was i i, I never watched it and you know i grew up in the united states and especially the part of the united states where i grew up we didn't really get a lot of uh, ex, uh imported um stuff and so i wasn't really that familiar with ultraman but i thought i knew what it was i thought you know I'm, i've been around uh the kaiju community for a little while so i thought i knew what ultraman was and then i watched it and i had no idea what ultraman was it is nothing like what i expected and 
I like that. I like that it is surprising me. Um, it is very, you know, especially the early seasons. I mean, the whole series is, but especially the early versions, the early series, like the 1966 one, are very kid-friendly. Very much along the lines of, like, a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or Super Sentai. Uh, even though I think you know, Ultraman predates them. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, that tone I'm okay with, but yeah, you know, I can see why most people are kind of turned off by it. But I am just surprised constantly by, you know, stuff stuff that happens in this show that I did not expect. The comedy in it, I did not expect the level of comedy that's that's in the 1966 one especially because E-Day. E-Day is one of my favorite characters in the entire series. Um, and they are just, yeah, it is just it is really surprising. I've even uh, kind of jumped over to some of the Heisei and uh, later series of Ultraman just to kind of see what some of the later ones uh were like and you know i was watching ultraman mebus and i was very surprised by it of how much i enjoyed it um it 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 was not nothing like what i thought it was going into the ultraman series that, that is ultimately that's that is my opinion on that um and why what i like the most about it um now, as far as my favorite moment so far in the 1966 Ultraman, my favorite moment, I think, hmm, uh, I want to say, I really like the the. I think it's I think it's one of the later episodes. I think it's like episode 23 or something where where they they have this quiet moment, almost like a fun funeral service for all of the monsters that they have killed, that Ultraman has killed up until now, up until that point. Um, and I thought that was really well done because the, with it being a kid's show, they kind of gloss over the violence uh, and fighting the monsters very quickly. Uh, me and Steven have talked about it, um, and how funny it is to see them just kind of gloss over the violence that's in it. But, uh, but then to see them acknowledge it, I just I think that's really nice. I think that is a really nice touch that they added uh, in that later episode. Um, I also really like I, I like E-Day in the very the, the second episode of the entire 1966 series. I, it's still that one still stands out to me as one of my favorites because I, again, was not expecting the humor in this series to be at the level that it was. I was not expecting there to be this humorous character like E-Day and he surprises me each time I watch it and I love that character so much and so the very second or the the second episode with Baltan really stands out to me as still one of my favorites because I just love E-Day and I am surprised by his character all the time about uh, surprised by how much I love that character um and then uh, at Goku GX Thorax, which I think he originally was called Kevin on, on Twitter, and he changed his name, but Thorax now on Twitter said uh, that his favorite moment was uh, Hayata carrying Pigmon's dead body. Um, spoiler alert, <laughs> that was one of the episodes we were going to be covering this week if we uh, got to our Ultraman episode, because uh, Pigmon... If you don't know the Ultraman series, Pigmon shows up, and he's kind of the Kenny from South Park of the Ultraman series, he, his role, he does sacrifice himself a lot and die a lot. So, uh, <laughs> that's, 
but that that is a powerful moment there too so uh at goku gx that's a very good good one um let's see i've got a couple of more questions and then we'll be done for uh this episode i think yeah we're already over an hour so it's it's going good uh hopefully like i said hopefully this is fun to listen to i don't really know I, I'm just doing my best with the circumstances that I was dealt with not having any co-hosts. <laughs> um, Shijer asked the question. Uh, he said he wants to know which version of the Kraken in movies is my favorite. Now, I, as far as I had to look up um, the different versions of the Kraken and I do really like the, of course, original Ray Harryhausen Kraken. Uh, I mean, you can't beat Ray Harryhausen. We sing his praises constantly on the podcast. I actually do kind of like the reinvented one that they did for the uh, 2000s uh, remake of Clash of the Titans. I think that that was... I was not expecting them to do something so creative with the Kraken design. And it, I think it was really creative. Um, I also, I do like the Kraken from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I think that's a unique design, um, even though I'm not, I'm not a fan of the movies at all. But I am a fan of that design. But yeah, I think, I think my favorite so far is, uh, of the ones I can remember, uh, is the, the remake of Clash of the Titans. I think that design is really something. It's scary. It's very scary even you know scarier than the ray harryhausen (laughs) and i love ray harryhausen but i think the remake is scarier uh brian stafford who is one of our patreon supporters he uh asked the question he asked two questions so what are your desert island discs three albums that you would take to listen to while stranded on a desert island now I did say they didn't all have to be giant monster movie related. So he asked the question that's not related to giant monsters. I am not a, I'm a music fan, but I'm not the kind of person that really likes to follow albums and like collect albums or listen to albums. I'll usually just like, I put it on Spotify and shuffle and I listen to different individual, uh, to the singles. I like listening to singles. Um, so if I could just take three albums, I have a very eclectic taste of music too, which I guess is one of the things that, you know, why I'm not a big, you know, just listen to a whole album person. I like to mix it up, but it would have to be, uh, one of them would have to be Rumors from Fleetwood Mac. That album, I mean, if you're a music fan, especially in that genre of music, everyone knows that's just one of the best albums ever in the history of ever Uh, Rumors. If you've ever heard a Fleetwood Mac song, you've heard it from rumors because that is the ones that people remember the most. Um, So I would definitely take that one. I would take something, one of the albums from one of my favorite cover uh, groups, and that is Postmodern Jukebox. If you haven't listened to Postmodern Jukebox on YouTube, check them out. They do uh, jazz music kind of a old school 1940s 50s uh jazz style but they'll take a lot of the modern songs and do them in that style and i think it's really good i i i love that style of music and i love 
how they can take and reinvent a lot of those songs and make them sometimes better than the originals because sometimes i i don't like the original song like they do some taylor swift songs and i'm not a taylor swift fan but i like the postmodern jukebox version of it <laughs> so they are one of my favorite bands just in general so uh i would take one of their albums i don't know which one in particular because they have a they have a few that they put out they you know they put one out they they're pretty consistent with putting out their albums um but just any of them because i love i love them in general and i don't know if this one counts as an album but there is a compilation cd that i had that was uh now that's what i call 90s music i listened to that cd when i had a cd player <laughs> back in the day uh more than any other cd i think because I just love the music in that. It was so good. And, 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 you know, it was 90s music. I love 90s music. I'm a 90s kid. So I love that. Um, there's still some of my favorite songs of all time that were on that disc. So uh, that one, too. But if you're going with an album, uh, something from Aerosmith. I really like Aerosmith. I, I'm an old school rock and roll, 80s rock kind of guy. And so Aerosmith would be one that I would take, too. Um, like I said, I have a very eclectic taste in, in music, so it's hard to narrow down just three albums that I would take. And I'm not a big album person, like I said, so uh, hopefully I answered that. <laughs> Sorry, Brian, if I didn't answer it the way you wanted me to answer it, but that was the best I could do. Um, his uh, next question, which is going to be the final question that we ask for this episode, he asked the question, what are your favorite non-kaiju movies or TV shows? Now... I am a huge nerd, so anything in the nerd community, I love superheroes, I love uh, space and sci-fi, I am a huge Star Trek fan, I am a bigger Star Trek fan than I am of Star Wars, um, I just, I love Star Trek, and so right now I'm watching Picard, and I actually, I'm, I'm enjoying it, I know a lot of, a lot of long-term fans, long-time fans, are not enjoying it, but I actually am enjoying it. Uh, I enjoy it more than Discovery. Uh, I, I really am not a huge fan of Star Trek Discovery, so Star Trek Picard is one that I'm watching right now. But just, but, but Star Trek in general, especially the next generation, and I'm a Voyager apologist. <laughs> I love Voyager, uh, even though that's one of the, probably one of the least liked uh, Star Trek series. I love Voyager, but. Yeah, so Star Trek, um, and, you know, a lot of the sci-fi shows that you might think of. I mean, I love, uh, I'm trying to think of something that's outside the world of sci-fi. and so, Oh, there is a series on the History Channel that I am watching right now, uh, that I love. Because I'm not a manly man. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know that's kind of, you know, gender stereotypes and stuff nowadays. You know, we don't really follow that anyway. But when it comes to very, very masculine things, I'm not super involved in them. I don't really like them that much. I'm not a big sports person in general either. But the most masculine thing that I like is I like metalworking. I really enjoy watching people, uh, blacksmiths, and, and love watching them make things. And there's a show on the History Channel called Forged in Fire, and they will make historic weapons. 
uh, like blades, uh, swords, shields, and things like that. And it's a competition show, and it's I just love it. I I really really love watching that show. Uh, it's a good combination of history and making things with your hands, which I really enjoy watching people make things, uh, especially blacksmithing. I'm really interested in blacksmithing. And so it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things that I enjoy. I, I'm a history buff too. So anything that's history related, I do like, I like a lot of historical dramas and a lot of, um, based in real life, uh, TV shows. I can't really think of any right off the top of my head, but, uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a history buff too. So that's just a few of the things that, that are non-kaiju movie or TV show related. Oh, uh, um, I just thought about it. Steven Universe. I love Steven Universe. Like, it's a kid's show, but it is more mature than most quote-unquote mature TV shows like Family Guy and South Park and all these other shows like that. There is so much maturity in, and not in the like dirty joke kind of way, cussing and sex jokes and whatever. It's mature in the proper sense of the word mature. And I think it is one of the greatest animated shows ever. Um, that's another thing that I may not have mentioned on the podcast, but I'm a huge uh, animation fan. I love uh, animated movies, animated TV shows. Um, I am a nerd when it comes to voice acting, uh, it, I always say if I met Chris Evans or I met Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt, any of those, I wouldn't really be starstruck because they don't do anything for me. They don't mean anything to me. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, you're a nice guy, whatever. But you know, they don't, I don't really mean, but when I get starstruck, I get starstruck, if I can talk, by people like Rob Paulson. I just, I, I, I love, or, or Kevin Michael Richardson, or, you know, any of those ones, Billy West. I love voice actors and voice acting in general. And so I'm a huge nerd when it comes to that. So um, that's why I like animation a lot. And Steven Universe is just one of the greatest shows ever to exist, ever, 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 ever. Go watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the last question that we have i'm going to save our patreon shout outs and everything for when we have our other co-hosts on uh, i'm not going to worry about that uh while i'm uh just by myself because i want to share that with steven and with michael so uh anyway i i think I think that's going to cover it. If you want to send us any emails or any questions or comments, you can do that at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram, Kaiju Weekly Pod. You can also email us, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. And we will read out some of your comments and stuff. Maybe the next time I do a Q&A, if this turned out well, I will read out your comments and, or your questions. So please do interact with us. I love, I love interacting with people, um, online. I, I'm so lonely. I need, I need some interactions with people. <laughs> um, as far as the question that hints to next week's episode, I already mentioned that we're going to have a special guest, Sam Young, 
uh, he's on the schedule to be there. We're still trying to work out what day is best to record, but he's supposed to be uh, our guest for that week. And we are going to be covering a giant monster movie that is, or actually two movies that are, that is turning 30 years old this year. So what giant monster movie, what giant worm movie to be more specific, what giant worm movie is turning 30 years old this year? And that's the question. So if you want to comment on our social medias with your answers, we will give you a shout out next week. And so I'm going to close out this special fun i guess it was fun hopefully it was fun be kind to me i was all alone and i just got engaged so send me your best wishes <laughs> and be kind to me um but uh, i'm gonna close out this episode just by saying uh have your giant monsters spayed or neutered help control the kaiju population see you later guys bye bye